0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Locked On Big Ten Podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Ben Stevens. It is Tuesday, May 26th, and today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. I hope you enjoyed some Built Bars over this long holiday weekend in between maybe an adult beverage or two, in between some grill-out burgers or hot dogs, making sure you're focusing on your health and getting that much-needed energy that the Built Bar can provide and does so in a great-tasting way. So thank you to Built Bar, our presenting sponsors, for the month of May. On today's episode, as we come off the long Memorial Day holiday weekend, it is a Tuesday, but we are right back into the flow of things for our Big Ten schedule previews for the 2020 college football season. We are making our way through the Big Ten West based on the standings of 2019. And now the fifth team that we are getting to is the Nebraska Cornhuskers. We've gone through Wisconsin, Minnesota, Iowa, and then rounded out this previous week with Illinois. And now we start this new week with the Huskers looking to take that stride back to where their fan base wants them to be in year number three of Scott Frost's time in Lincoln, Nebraska. I promised him at the end of Friday's show, and that was a bold thing for me to do because I had not contacted him yet, but I promised you Michael Severe, the man who knows Nebraska football and everything Nebraska-related better than anybody I know, one of the co-hosts I used to work with during my time living and working in Omaha, so Michael Severe graciously accepted, and here he is, Michael Severe breaking down Nebraska's 2020 college football schedule. At the end of Friday's episode, I sang his name, his return to the Locked On Big Ten podcast. I'm not sure he heard it, but here he is now in the flesh. For your listening pleasure, it is Michael Severe. He is the co-host. Notice I said co-host this time of the Severe Embedding Show on 1620 The Zone in Omaha, Nebraska. He is here to talk the Nebraska Corn Huskers for the 2020 college football season. Michael, it is great
1: to have you back. It is great to be had. I'm glad you got my introduction correct. That's time we didn't have to reshoot the thing. So that's right. good. You're, you're, you're coming along, young fella. Coming along. You know, we used to be co-hosts.
0: As I always sell you on this podcast, I say that we were once best friends, but now we are just mere acquaintances. But I'm glad to have you here nonetheless. So Before we get to our four categories for Nebraska's schedule breakdown, I'm just going to quickly read through the entire schedule, and Mm -hmm. it is a doozy for the Huskers in 2020. But I'm going to do it quickly like an auctioneer. Here we go. Starting in the opener, Saturday, September 5th, at home versus Purdue. The next week, back at home, September 12th against Central Michigan. Then Saturday, September 19th, also at home against South Dakota State. Their final home game for the non-conference slate, Saturday, September 26th against Cincinnati. Then they go to on the road, visit Northwestern, October 3rd. Back home, October 10th against Illinois. A bye week. Then back on the road, Saturday, October 24th at Rutgers. Then Halloween, Possibly night, October 31st, on the road at Ohio State. Then back home Saturday, November 7th, against Penn State. On the road against Iowa the next week, Saturday, November 14th. Another game on the road at Wisconsin, Saturday, November 21st. And finally, finishing on Black Friday, back inside Memorial Stadium, hosting Minnesota. Those final five games, whew, We'll get to that in just a moment. But, Michael, this is the time of year. Yeah. Huh. Where Nebraska fans, Nebraska media, everybody generally has a lot of positivity and hype towards the program. What is the sense right now
1: as we head into the third year of Scott Frost's reign in Lincoln? Zero hype, (laughs) zero positivity. Um, I think the only thing that we're hoping for is the season starts on time, September 5th, Memorial Stadium versus the Boilermakers. That's all we're hoping for. Uh, But I don't think, I haven't sensed anyone really overly excited. I think losing spring hurt a lot. Because that would have given us a chance to get excited about players we hadn't seen, maybe a positive about Uh, Adrian Martinez if he'd have played well. We didn't get any of that. So right now it's just people that are like, I can't believe Bo Planey said this about the Huskers all these years after he's been gone. That's mainly the big thing happening here. Not a lot happening in terms of being positive about this schedule, mainly because of what you mentioned. The last five games – playing against five teams that all finished ranked last year, that all finished, I believe, in the top 15 last Uh year to end the season. So that's a little bit of a fear more than an excitement. Yeah, Nebraska's schedule for 2020
0: is certainly backloaded. In my opinion, the toughest schedule in the Big Ten Conference. Maybe you could throw in Iowa there as well, who has a tough one. But for Nebraska, it is going to get started, and they need to get it going early on during their slate. So let's get into our four categories. A reminder, we have Bet the House a game that we are 100% yep. confident the Huskers will win, the primetime game, a game that will be circled with a lot of hype building up to it, a must-win game for Nebraska, a game they need to win to get to whatever their end-of-year goals may be, and then finally, the fourth and final category, the can't-lose mm-hmm. game, basically just a trap game. So, Michael Severe, you are my
1: guest. Please begin with your bet-the-house game for Nebraska in 2020. Well, I don't know what the line will be, so I don't <laughs> bet straight-up games, so I don't know what the line will be, but I bet you they beat Rutgers. Uh, they're gonna beat Rutgers. I'm not worried about that one. That's the one game uh, with Greg Schiano restarting everything, getting everything going. I just think Nebraska handles Rutgers. You know, you could go South Dakota State if you want. You could go Central Michigan, who actually finished eight and eight. They played 16 games last year somehow. But I mean, <laughs> I think I would go Rutgers would be the choice. That would be the one for me. I, I know it's at, I know it's in Poughkeepsie, but I'm not worried about Pascataway. it. Scattered away. Poughkeepsie is upstate New York. You know this. You lived in that state. Whatever. I lived there and I, I, I've i had a fat sandwich too, which is the best thing about going up there and eating in Piscataway. But I, I just like saying Paskipski. Hey, that's a it's a great
0: town in upstate New York. This one in New Jersey. I, love it. I, I agree with it you. Nice. I think my bet yeah. the house game is also Rutgers. It comes off a buy. It is their final game. They will probably be favored in for all yeah. of 2020 before they get into that final five game stretch to finish out the regular season. You mentioned great shot will turn things around for the Scarlet Knights, but it's going to take a couple of years. So I don't even care. This is on the road. Nebraska will go and make a statement before they get to those final five games. And really depending on what happens through the early part of their season, that game against Rutgers could decide if they're going to be a bowl eligible team come the end of 2020, because there's a real scenario looking at this schedule on paper, they lose all of those final five games. You
1: know, you know what the big part of that Rutgers game is, right? You Um, know what the big thing is. Oh, now we know. Now we know. Well, the quarterback will probably be Noah Vedral, Former Husker quarterback, if he goes there and wins that job, they could be going against Noah. And uh, Noah, uh, from what I understand, chose a team that he pl- that plays against Nebraska so he could play against Nebraska. So that could be a big part of that game. Ooh, that will be certainly a big part of that game because Noah
0: Vedrill yep. not only played He's- at Nebraska from Bishop Newman, which is pretty close to Lincoln, also – started his college career following Scott Frost to central Florida. Is that surprising to you at all that he wants to play against Nebraska to show off like, Hey, this is what you guys missed on.
1: Uh, Not surprised that he wants to play against Nebraska. Surprised he picked Rutgers to do it, Uh, but probably the best chance he had to take a job. They do have obviously six scholarship quarterbacks on their team, by the way, Uh, including a transfer from uh, Baylor, Mm. who may become a wide receiver because he's a really good athlete, but, I think it's a good chance to win a job, but it wouldn't be the place I would choose. I wouldn't choose to go to the worst Division I program over the course of the last five years. I wouldn't make that choice. But he has confidence in himself. He just wants to play, and he has a chance to go up. As you mentioned, it's a a nice area. Now, here's the thing. Does Rutgers even play football this year? We, We know the SEC's playing football. We know Ohio State's playing football. We know the Midwest is playing football. Is New Jersey, New York even playing football? We have no idea. So that's another weird way to choose a school that's in the middle of the worst part of the pandemic. That's a very good point. That's why I left that part of the country and am now back on the
0: West Coast staying at my parents' house. That's a very, very good point. This is why we have you here to bring up points other
1: people might not know. I try, but then you went to California. You went to California where they may not play any football either.
0: Yeah, but you know, that's California. Golden State, we just ride the waves. Everybody's having a good time. So Michael and I are talking Nebraska. We're talking the Huskers. We're talking GBR. We're also talking Scott Frost. And Scott Frost himself, if you haven't seen any pictures of Nebraska's head man, is a built dude. So you know he is eating built bars because built bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. Yes, I said ever. There it is. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. It's coated in chocolate, 100% chocolate. It is soft. It is chewy. It is easy to eat, and it is everything you're looking for in a great-tasting protein bar that also comes with numerous, numerous health benefits. It's perfect for the health-conscious person looking to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, but they are high in protein, and they are high in fiber. Take a listen to the flavor profile of Mint Brownie of my favorite flavors. It's 15 grams of protein, but only 110 calories, only four grams of sugar, and only five grams of net carbs. But you get 15 grams of protein. That is incredible. That is what Built Bar is delivering to you. Low in calorie, low in sugar, high in protein, high in fiber. And I would add high in taste as well because it truly, truly tastes like a candy bar. I've been eating them just as a dessert treat for myself, not even worried about the health conscious part of it, but It works well for me and provides great nutrients. So, when you go to builtbar.com and use the promo code locked on, you'll get $10 off your first order. When you use the promo code locked on, L O C K E D O N, at builtbar.com, you'll get $10 off your first purchase. Once again, promo code locked on for $10 off at builtbar.com. So, more with Michael Severe breaking down Nebraska's 2020 schedule coming up next. So you mentioned two of the teams to start off the season in those first three games, Central Michigan at home and South Dakota State at home. Bet the house is 100% confident that Nebraska will win those games. What would you put the percentage at that the Huskers are victorious against the Chippewas and the Jackrabbits?
1: Well, honestly, playing South Dakota State has never been an easy thing for Nebraska. Um, I'm going way back too. They've had issues before with South Dakota State. There's so many Nebraska kids playing at South Dakota State. It's one of those games, as Bo Pelini said a long time ago, FCS, FBS, BFC, I don't know what league they play in. All I know is that I want to win the game. And that year, they ended up going into the second half and having to pull Taylor Martinez – I mean, yeah, Taylor Martinez out of the game because they were struggling offensively. Uh, South Dakota State came here a few years ago, brought Zach Zinner with them. Remember that? Zach Mm -hmm. had over 200 yards rushing against Nebraska. So I would never just say easily win that. Central Michigan, I would say probably a 99% chance they beat Central Michigan. But because of the weird flukeness of South Dakota State, I wouldn't put more. I'd say like 80-20. That that game would actually make me nervous, really. And it's the week. if I'm not mistaken, isn't that week before Cincinnati? Where you have a chance to play another team that can easily, yeah, Cincinnati could easily be a top fifteen team when you play them because yeah. that team's probably going eleven and one if, at a minimum. So you may be looking ahead to playing the Bearcats as a top ten, top fifteen team. So I, that game, that's my trap game. That scares me, South Dakota State. And we will get to the can't lose category
0: in just a moment. I think that's a good point though because South Dakota State, okay. a lot of those kids from Nebraska, and FCF FCS program that have maybe been overlooked. By the Huskers a little bit will be coming in to Memorial Stadium, probably playing a lot of friends and family, and trying to make a statement that hey, you guys also passed mm-hmm. up on me here. We're going to give you your lunch money right here. So let's move on to our next category. Yeah. It is the prime time game for Nebraska in 2020.
1: Who do you see that opponent being for the Huskers? Well, first of all, I hope they're playing in front of friends and family, or playing in front of anybody. Because Very- the idea of playing in front of an empty Memorial Stadium just makes me sad. Uh, the key, the key to this whole season, sadly. September 5th, 2020, Purdue, you have to win the opening game. We have seen the last couple of years for Nebraska what it's meant to lose games early, whether it was losing a game to weather against Colorado two years ago or going to Boulder and losing that game against Colorado last year. it devastated this team. And really, I think if they beat Colorado last year, you're probably took looking at an eight and four team with that schedule. But on the other hand, they go five and, five and seven because of the fact that they just did not have any momentum coming off of a game where their entire fan base, it felt like, went to Colorado and they still lost the game. So beating Purdue to open the season, whether it's a night game, mid-afternoon, eight in the morning, I don't care. You've got to beat a Purdue team that I don't think is going to win more than five games this year. Um, I, I understand people love Brom and they think he's great and everything and they're bringing in by the way Bob Diaco to coach the defense and all that (laughs) stuff but I look at that team and I look at the schedule they're playing they could be four and eight five and seven in a heartbeat so you've got to beat another team that's battling for bowl contention in your opening game that's the most critical game of this season by far the opening game against Purdue. I completely agree with that statement, too, because
0: you mentioned if you want to get to that next level, and Nebraska is all about taking that next step this year to get back to being a contender in the Big Ten West. You have to push aside some of the teams that you're yeah. along the same wavelength right now, Purdue being one of those teams, and to get them in your opener, boom, there it is. Also, you're bringing yeah. up all these little ties that are being featured in this game Noah Vedril with Rutgers. You mentioned Bob Diaco, now the defensive coordinator yeah. at Purdue, was the defensive coordinator for Nebraska a few seasons ago. And also, he and Scott Frost hate each other. So that's going to be a right. lot of fun just in that
1: aspect. Here's, here's how you think about it. You said a team at your same level. Think of it this way. Back in the day, when you used to go to the bar, right? and you'd be with your boys, and there was always a guy in your group who was kind of at your level in terms of talking to the ladies. There was nothing wrong with accidentally hitting his elbow so he spilled some beer on him during a part of a conversation where you're talking to some lady, because all of a sudden now you've taken the next level of not being a klutz, and maybe you win the battle. It's the same thing in football as it is in a bar late at night. See, this is why you are the legend that
0: you are, in my opinion, because you can take things in the sports world and football talk and relate them back with some great analogy, to something that everybody can understand. And that beautifully done right there, Michael. Beautifully, beautifully done. Thank you. So my primetime game, because we're talking excitement, I think it comes October 31st on the road at Ohio State. This game was game day last year, right? Yeah. What was the
1: score last year? Do you remember the score off the top of your head? A lot, a lot to a little. That yeah. was the final score. Yeah. Um, never is Ohio State their primetime game. It may be played in primetime, it may be the school team with the highest number to the left of their name. But for Nebraska, this is the game that I listen. They could go nine and three in this season legitimately with a lot of breaks. They're not beating Ohio State. No. So let's not even talk about Ohio State. Let's just say they play Ohio State the week before they play Penn State. Hopefully, nobody gets hurt. <laughs> well,
0: I'm gonna talk about them just briefly for a Seriously. moment. Seriously. I mean, I agree. I mean, all
1: of the okay, games that I've ever seen all Nebraska right,
0: play against Ohio State, there's been a lot of hype. They mostly have been in prime time. As I remember it and seeing it now, you, know, you look out, Memorial Stadium with the lights last year and then yeah. Jeff Okuda picked off Adrian Martinez. And it was pretty much over from that very early point in the first quarter. The reason I just think you yeah. will have some hype leading up to it. Obviously Ohio State is going to be a top 2 top 3 team at that point. In Nebraska, as I see it, could yeah. very well be 6 and 1 heading into that game against the Buckeyes. They might drop one of the first few in the non-conference slate, but I think yeah. their early Big 10 yeah. opponents at Northwestern versus Illinois and then the bye week and then going to Rutgers, you got to think Nebraska could easily start 3 and 0. So there's where the hype builds for me and I could just picture it, you know. Primetime under the lights at the horseshoe. We get a nice little drone shot over the stadium. Chris Fowler makes some kind of joke about Halloween and spooky night kind of thing. I don't know. For that reason, I put in the primetime game. Yeah. By no means do I think Nebraska wins, or the game probably might not even be competitive. But for me, you know,
1: the primetime game is just exciting. It's just exciting to think about. Well. I've been saying this, they they need to be five and two. If they're not five and two by the time Ohio State comes around, they need to shut the doors of the university with this schedule. I mean, seriously, if you're not five and two with this schedule, then you have some real issues and you don't want to play Ohio State. I don't think there's a chance in the world that ESPN puts this game in the prime time because they've seen the experience. You remember the game when Tommy Armstrong went out? That was in oh. prime time. You remember the game last year? That was in prime time. You remember the game the year before that. When they lost like 62-3, to dude, all those games were in prime time. This game is at 2.30. But by the way, the one game that Nebraska actually played Ohio State well two years ago, that was a 11, I believe an 11 o'clock game Central, 12 o'clock noon, uh, 12 o'clock Eastern time, I think, if I'm not mistaken. And it actually was the best game they played against Ohio State in years. So for Nebraska's sake, don't put this at night. As we've
0: learned as we've been going through these primetime games as well, primetime, especially in the Big Ten, can mean a lot of different things because of Fox's big noon kickoff, which is their biggest game. So technically, primetime could be yes. early, and in that case would maybe be helpful yeah. for Nebraska. So Michael has alluded to it, but we get his official Nebraska record prediction for the 2020 season. Will Husker fans be happy to hear it? Eh, maybe so, but we get that record prediction coming up in just a moment. We move on to our next category. It is the must win category. You alluded to the game against Purdue pretty much being that for Nebraska. It's gonna be exciting, obviously, in the opener. Is there another team that you think the Huskers need to beat to get to where they wanna get to at the end of the year? Whether that's a bowl game, whether that's an eight and four season, whatever the end goal may be, who is the must win game for Nebraska
1: in 2020 other than the Boilermakers? Well, Ben, it's not this year and next year. It's not going to be Black Friday, right? So they're not playing Iowa this year or next year on Black Friday. Minnesota's now the Black Friday game for the next two years. But every single year that Nebraska puts on cleats, every year they hook up their shoulder pads, every time they put a helmet on, beat Iowa. You've got to beat the Hawkeyes. Not only is it your neighbor, not only do your fan bases dislike each other, but now they're coming over here and taking your players, Woo! right? I mean, taking Noah Fant was one thing. They went over here and got Kingy and Johnson recently to go to Iowa. Now you really hate them. Now you really are disgusted by them. You got to beat Iowa every single year. I don't care if it's 2091. The game that you need to win is against Iowa. That's the game you need to win. Beat them. I don't I don't even know if I should say anything cuz I got
0: chills right now. My blood is boiling. And that was just one of the most hyped expressions I've ever seen I'm ready to run through a wall and I only lived in Nebraska for two years and listen I'm an objective big 10 journalist right now so I play no favorites in the game between the Hawkeyes and the Huskers but that is Mm -hmm. a statement right there for Michael Severe for the entire state of Nebraska to listen to now I ask you because you bring the excitement for that game what do you think Nebraska's chance is at winning against Iowa this year
1: we've gone through over on the morning show with uh, Damon, we've gone through all of Nebraska's Big Ten schedule and went through Michigan and Michigan State on the other side. And honestly, I think Iowa could be a 7-5 and five team this year. Now, mm-hmm. I believe I'm not mistaken, they're 7.5 for their total. Uh, Damon picked 9. I picked 7 because I know that Kurt Ferrance has done okay when he's had a first-year starting quarterback. I know, they've been okay. But I look at this year and I say, I like Spencer Petras coming out. I thought Nebraska, I know Nebraska offered him. I liked him. But I think there's going to be a drop-off. Not only do you lose Spencer Petras, but you lose the best tackle, in my opinion, in the draft in Christian Works. Mm-hmm. I think at the same time, you look at that defense. They lost real leaders. Gino Stone was an amazing play, playmaker back there in the secondary. You lose him. You lose A.J. Epinesa, obviously. I think Iowa takes a step back and they go 7-5. and five. One of their losses this year, believe it or not, and it hadn't happened since 2014, is to Nebraska. Ooh, there we go.
0: I completely agree with everything you said there, though. Yeah. yeah, Spencer Petras will come in. I think he's a drop-off from Nate Stanley just because of how much experience Nate Stanley had under center. But I really point to the defensive side of the ball like you as well. And it's yeah. at every level. You have Geno Stone, who was their leader on the back end. You have an athletic corner, Michael Ojemudia, who's now in the NFL. Yeah. At linebacker, Christian Welch, who graduated. He yeah. was their leading tackler last year. And then, of course, yeah. losing A.J. Epinesa, there's a lot of holes to fill along that defensive front and pretty much the entire defensive unit for iowa so i think this game is more competitive than it's been in years past and last year obviously was a great game came down on the wire keith duncan blew the kiss whatever we know what that's like for nebraska fans we don't need to relive it so for me my must win game yeah there it is beautiful that's you you couldn't see it because podcasting is an audio medium but michael just did a beautiful rendition of keith duncan's kiss to Nebraska sideline after the game winning field goal like you i agree that purdue in the season opener, is a must-win game for Nebraska in 2020. Because if you don't, like you mentioned, it kind of derails the season. It brings all the excitement that you had leading into it and pushes it away. And then it's like, okay, how can we rebound here against Central Michigan, try to win this game, try to win South Dakota State? But if you start against a good Cincinnati team, who's also my tiebreaker for the must-win category, you could easily start two and two if you don't win those games against Mm -hmm. Purdue and Cincinnati. And that is a huge detriment, especially when you look at how backloaded the schedule is for Nebraska to get to a bowl, to have some positivity, to end the year. So my two must-win games, kind of a tie, Purdue in the season opener and then Cincinnati that fourth week in their final non-conference game. Cincinnati is a dog. You mentioned they could be a top-15 team by the time the Huskers play them that fourth week of the season. Last year, an 11-win team, their only losses were against Memphis twice. And then Ohio State early on in the year, and they rebounded from that. And then absolutely shellacked Boston College yeah. in their bowl game. So they built a lot of confidence coming into 2020. Cincinnati is not a team that can be overlooked by any means. I don't think smart football fans will look at that game against the Bearcats and say, oh, that's a must win and an easy win for Nebraska. Because honestly, I think I give the edge to Cincinnati. But I think
1: true smart Husker football fans will say, this is a huge game and it's going to be a very tightly contested game against Cincy." Cincinnati's favored by three in the preseason line, so most people think that you know they're the favorite in the game. Um, I just don't think it's must win because if Nebraska goes six and one to start the season and the losses to Cincinnati, I don't think anybody's sad. Right? Nobody's losing their mind if that's the case. If you lose one game to start the season, it's to the one team that you're probably going to be an underdog against. I think it's fine. So if, yes, you want to win that game. You ever want to lose to a non-power five team? In my opinion, but at the same time, if that was the one you would lose, I think you could accept it as a Husker thing. That's why I was a little conf-
0: conflicted putting that as my must-win because of the great reasoning you just pointed out. And also, I don't think Nebraska wins that game. So kind of tough to say a must-win when the team most likely does not win. Anyway, we move on to our fourth and final category, the can Bet the under. Game.
1: Bet the under in that game. Bet the okay. under in that game. I Bet the under in that game. That game will not reach 45 total points. Listen. For all the fans
0: of the Locked On Big Ten podcast, Michael Severe is a betting man and a very smart betting man. So if he gives you advice, even this early on in May, you listen to it and you listen well. Our fourth and final category, the can't lose game, the trap game for Nebraska in 2020. You mentioned it early on that you think it could be South Dakota State. Is that what you're sticking to right now?
1: No, I would go. So the one every year that I think of and I worry about is Illinois. Because Nebraska almost every year is going to have more talent than Illinois is. And I don't know how great of a coach overall Lovey Smith is, great defensive coach, Mm -hmm. Um, and usually a pretty good recruiter, although he hasn't been doing anything this recruiting season yet. But Illinois is usually every year for me kind of the trap game because it's always set up in a spot where I feel that Illinois could sneak up on Nebraska. Now there's no sneak up here. You go to Rutgers the next week, it's not like you're worried about looking ahead. But there's something about the way Illinois plays Nebraska, that they always seem to do okay offensively. They kind of put a scare in Nebraska, especially over the last five or six years. So that's the one I look at out of this whole schedule. It's right in the middle. It's a game that I think when people are going through win, loss, win, whatever, they've already said win. And so that's the one I would say more than anything else, that that could be a trap game for me in in Illinois. Obviously, South Dakota State, they should beat them but South Dakota state's in a spot before Cincinnati that makes you a little worried, but it's Illinois for me most years. I absolutely agree with you yet
0: again, because I think it's Illinois. And then for me, it's a little bit of a tie with the other school from the state of Illinois and at Northwestern coming off Cincy. The reason Northwestern isn't so much a trap game, like you mentioned, based on where they are in the schedule or talent wise, it's just that Northwestern is always a pesky team, regardless of who you're playing throughout the big 10 West. And they have given Nebraska some trouble in the past. So, For me, that's the reason why I give it as the trap game, as the can't lose game, but Illinois more so. Because like we mentioned with Purdue, Illinois is right now at least coming off a really good year in 2019, considering themselves along the same level as Nebraska in the Big Ten West, looking to take another leap. I don't think Husker fans want to hear that Nebraska and Illinois are around the same level right now in the Big Ten West. But this is a game that Nebraska needs to win to Assert their dominance and say, listen, we are a step above Illinois. And when you look, again, based on the schedule, these two games against Northwestern and against Illinois, and then you follow with Rutgers before you get to that daunting back half, these are games Nebraska needs to win and can mm-hmm. ill afford to lose. Therefore, we get the must win and the can't lose because this is what could decide their bowl eligibility. These games, those three games right there, could make the difference between a 5-7 and seven team
1: or a 7-5 and five team that has a positive to end the year and gets to a bowl game. I know we're not going through Illinois schedule, but we did a couple days ago. I think they beat Rutgers October 3rd and lose the rest of their games. Wow. I think their schedule for a stretch is the strongest schedule I saw in the whole West. They have they play in a row Nebraska, Purdue, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa, Indiana, Ohio State, and then finish with Northwestern. Northwestern is the only game I would I would even consider they probably win in that stretch. I think Illinois' is four and eight at most, and Lovey's gone. Wow. And they fire Lovey. I think so. Ah. Tough break for Lovey.
0: I don't like to hear that, but I agree. Their back half, their end of their schedule is tough as well. Yes, the beard. I mean, Lovey's probably looking good right now. He's probably got the beard to a length yep. you're not accustomed to seeing. Oh, mm-hmm. Like Santa Claus. So we have done our four categories. We've done the primetime game, the bet the house game, the must-win game, and the can't-lose game. There's a few games on Nebraska's schedule we haven't really touched on yet. You say there's no shot against Ohio State on the road in Columbus. I agree. The next week, though, another Big Ten East crossover game, Back home against Penn State, November seventh.
1: Any hope for the Huskers? Uh, you know, traditionally Nebraska's played well up in, in Happy Valley for whatever reason it is. Um, I, I wonder about Ellis. i, I about Penn State a little bit, just in the trenches. Um, I know Michael Parsons is going to be outstanding. Um, I they'll be fine at running back, even though last year they couldn't figure out who they wanted to be their starter, but they'll figure that out. I like their offensive line. Um, I, I know that they'll be able to. Their secondary, they've been great at that. But I'm not a huge fan of in-game coaching by James Franklin. I grew up a Penn State fan. That was my team. My dad worked on campus. I liked Penn State. I was a Lions fan going back to the late '70s. But James Franklin in-game coaching when it's close. I'm usually going to bet the other team. I think Nebraska, depending on how they play against Ohio State. Now, if they get blown out by Ohio State, all bets off on how they're going to play the following week because we've not seen this team bounce back well from bad losses. But I think if they stay with Ohio State and stay, keep it reasonable, then they can go to Happy Valley, and I think they can play them well. I'm not saying they win that game. I have it marked down as a loss for Nebraska. Mm-hmm. But the other game for me is Wisconsin because remember that whole speech I gave about Iowa? Yep player in the state of nebraska is going to wisconsin so that's probably an issue for nebraska as well and if you lose to iowa somehow and have to turn around and then go to wisconsin and go to madison that's probably back-to-back losses there so the other game outside the ones we talked about that i worry about is the wisconsin game second last game of the season coming off your really biggest game of the season every year for you playing iowa at iowa that's a critical game before you end the season for Minnesota to hopefully get to seven wins, which is where I have them right now. And that regular season finale against the Gophers, what do you like in that matchup between Nebraska and Minnesota? Who do you think comes out on top? Minnesota is fascinating because I I can't wait to see what that defense is like. Um, Their best playmaker they've had at that university in years um, is gone. Um, Mm -hmm. We know that, that that's going to be hard to fill back there in the secondary. Um, they only have, I think 31% or 32% of their production coming back defensively. So, and then you got, you change the coordinators as well. So they got a lot of things they're going through there in Minnesota. I think their offense is gonna be dynamic. Rashad Bateman is a, a wide receiver. Anybody in the big 10, including Ohio state would love to have. Um, I, Otman bell, another guy, speed guy can run jet motions. I think they'll be fine at running back. Even they lost to two seniors. Uh, because I think Abraham is a really good running back. And we think I think Tanner Morgan is the second best quarterback in the Big Ten, uh, especially when you look ahead to the draft in, in 2021. But that defense, how they play, if they lose some close games early in the year. Remember last year they won their close games. If they lose some of those early ones. I think the way they're motivated by Fleck, I think that can be a backward step if you lose some close games. Because he's preaching all of this, you know, be elite. If you do this, you'll win. If they do those things and believe they're elite and lose those games, I could see a little regression. Now, obviously, they're not. it's a regression. They're not going to win 10 games. But I think this team loses some games. They probably should this year because they're still Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And I think that game against uh, Nebraska is going to be for who has the better record at the end of the year as well. That's a good point as well because unlike Nebraska, Minnesota's schedule is
0: pretty loaded up front. You'll have a good sense of who this Gophers team is mm-hmm. by week six or week seven. So – You talk about, you gave us a little bit of the record prediction for Nebraska. You think they are seven and five in 2020. Am I correct in saying so? And then if you wouldn't mind going through the schedule quickly and giving me the wins and the losses so we can
1: really break it down. If I was going to bet it, right, I would say the best chance, like I think there's a 70% chance they're six and six, but- There are games here. There's there's two or three games that I think are either war games. So because of that, seven and five makes likely. But I think they beat Purdue to open the season, and Scott Frost gets his opening win of the season to to get things going right. I think they open the season 3-0. and I'm with you. I think they end up losing to Cincinnati um, and dropping a 3-1. and I think they beat – they go to Northwestern. The funny thing about that series, and you know this, when Nebraska goes to Northwestern, they usually play better than they do at home. Even though the last time they were there at Northwestern, it was that ugly finish where Nebraska had the game locked up. And here comes Northwestern down the field to make a bunch of plays. And all of a sudden, Nebraska's losing that game in overtime. But, I mean, they beat Northwestern. They beat Illinois. They beat Rutgers. And I think they really book, they start the season 6-1. and one. Now, this may be a homer thing, even though I'm not a homer. But just looking at the schedule, I think 6-1 and one makes sense. They have more veteran leadership than most of these teams. Spring shouldn't have hurt them as much because they already knew who their starters were at a bunch of positions, including the offensive line and at quarterback. So I think because of that, Nebraska is getting off to a better start than some, and didn't replace a bunch of coaches. Just one coach on um, that they replaced last, from last year. So I think they start off six and one, but and they lose to Ohio State. I mean, they go to Penn State, they lose that as well. Um, I'm going to pick them to beat Iowa. I said that earlier, upset against Iowa, and then it comes down to Wisconsin and Minnesota. They could lose both of those. They go one and one. I don't think they go two and zero versus them. So I think most likely it's seven and five. They're on the backside, 10% chance they go eight and four, right? Right. And then on the other side of it, six and six could certainly be a possible. I wouldn't be surprised if they if they lost those games to lose out those last five either.
0: Yeah. I absolutely agree with you in your record prediction because I think it's seven and five. That would be what I would say. But I think it's more likely they're six and six than it is that they are eight and four when all is said and done in twenty twenty. I mean, listen. There's no better person in my mind yeah, in the yeah. state of Nebraska or across college football to break down the Nebraska Cornhuskers than my man, Michael Sevier. So, Michael, thank you very much. I hope you have a great holiday weekend, even though this will air the Tuesday following Memorial Day. I hope it's great. Your son just popped in the screen.
1: Everything is going well for the Severe household right now. Yeah, you saw it. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's looking for dinner or lunch. I got to go make some lunch. So that's what he's looking for. I know I interrupted your nap
0: time as well. So thank you for staying awake and being a part of the Locked On Big Ten podcast.
1: Well, I still took my lap. I took my nap. Don't worry about that. I had my nap. I woke up. I set my alarm to wake up. So don't worry. I had my nap.
0: So many thanks again to my man, Michael Severe, who is now just merely an acquaintance for us. But anyway, giving you great knowledge about the Huskers for 2020, breaking it down in only the way that he can, using analogies that relate back to normal life. He just truly has a talent, not just in the NFL draft, but everything you need to know, Nebraska Cornhusker, and really in many, many other areas of life. If we had more time on these podcasts, Michael and I could get into many, many stories. We used to do a bit When we hosted our radio shows together, where he would talk about all these classic movies from the 70s and 80s that I have never seen. And every time he would look at me with sheer disappointment in his eyes because I was upsetting him. But that was kind of our thing. So it was always a great time. It's a different week, obviously, based off the holiday weekend we are coming off of. This show is coming out Tuesday. We will have another show right back at you on Wednesday. We continue rolling on in our schedule breakdowns for the 2020 college football season. So we just finished Nebraska. Now coming up is the Purdue Boilermakers, our sixth out of 17 in the Big Ten West division. The Purdue Boilermakers are coming up on tomorrow. Yes, tomorrow, Wednesday's episode. So we will get to that breakdown and we will have some fun talking to Boilermakers, Jeff Brom, Rondell Moore, everybody Purdue has coming back to West Lafayette for 2020. So if you've been enjoying what you're hearing here on the Locked On Big 10 show, we have plenty of other conference shows as well. So make sure you give them a listen. The ACC, the SEC, the Big 12, all here as a part of the Locked On podcast family. So tell your smart device right now to play Locked On SEC and it'll do just that. So until we talk tomorrow, because we're coming right back at you tomorrow, until we talk tomorrow, have a splendid day.